Hi everyone, just a reminder that this episode will be available on my personal YouTube linked in the description below. You should go watch us instead. And my mom's mic is atrocious. We're getting her a new one, so don't worry and stay tuned. Enjoy the episode, bye. Hi, and welcome to A Mesh, where I, Molly, interview my mom, Lisa B. Kaufman, a criminal defense lawyer who is gonna recount all her misspent youth and path to adulthood. Because why share her trauma with a therapist when I have a microphone? Hey, maybe I'll say something insightful, or maybe we can all learn something. Or most likely, you're going to deflect the joke. Yay! Hello, mother. Hello, daughter. Today, I thought it'd be fun if we talk about some medical stuff, because you were raised by a doctor. I was raised by you, so everything was downhill. No, I just... Um, We've been talking a lot about medical... Go ahead. Well, sorry, I was going to say everything I learned about medicine and how to raise a kid was from my doctor, my doctor, my dad, who was a pediatrician. And I think it's well-known among doctors' doctors' kids Mm -hmm. that they they have the worst medical care of anybody. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of a funny joke. So go ahead. Yeah, I know. I'm like acting like people know our inside joke. Call me out. Good job. Um... The reason why we've been talking about medicine so much lately is because, where is she? Bucket. Oh, now she wants to leave me alone. Bucket is my cat and she'll make an appearance later. And she gave me ringworm. <laughs> it's been the funniest thing to me. It. I just have not taken it. I hear her. Oh, my mom, Lisa, bought her like a one of those tunnel things from Goodwill. And you can hear her crinkling it in the back. She loves it. She's playing it nonstop. And so now she's done terrorizing me and she's in the tunnel. But my point is, and so I really wanted a cat. I moved to Los Angeles and I was going to wait till the new year to get it. Ma'am, too much, too much crinkling. <laughs> can you hear it? Is it really bad on your end? No. Oh, thank no, goodness. No, no. Okay, I'll let her crinkle to her heart's desire. So I really wanted a cat when I moved to Los Angeles, but I was going to wait till the new year because of like vacations and like leaving LA, blah, blah, blah. Then someone on Instagram was like, oh my God, I found this litter of five kittens. I need to like find them homes or at least fosters till we figure out what's next. And I was like, oh, serendipitous. I was so excited. And so he's like, I only have the tabbies left. No one likes the tabbies. And I was like, I'll take a tabby, which I really wanted to take too. But my roommate is allergic to cats. (laughs) And she was very, very nice to let me get one. But I was like, oh, kittens get bonded. So I already feel a lot of guilt that my cat's lonely. But now she's having the time of her life in that little tunnel thing. I don't know if you can see it. No, that's just, you can't see in the darkness. Why would you be able to see in the darkness? And you don't see that my uh, drawer is not closed. Anyway, enough about me. Um, But the point is, is that we got Bucket. Her name's Bucket. And she was missing a little bit of hair here and there. And so the guy that like brought her to the vet initially and gave us to her, gave her to us, he gave us um some shampoo he's like make sure to give her some shampoo to help with the hair growth she's not really affected compared to the other kittens and we're like great and then we never gave her a bath because i didn't want to traumatize her because she was so skittish when we first got her and now she's a love bug and she's amazing and she's annoying the hell out of me with her little i know but it's hard for me to focus um so bucket has just been the best cat in the world and she's so adorable and then I don't know if we can see it. Um, I I always I have like cystic acne and I always have like issues with my skin. And so when I let's see, I can put it down. 
I don't know if you can see it. Can you see the little round thing right here? It's really hard to see now. It's healing. You can see my cool tattoo. Anyway, um, I have like a weird thing on my chest, but I always have a weird thing on my chest, so I didn't think anything of it. And then I had two weird spots on my side. And so I sent a photo to my mom. She had already gone to sleep. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, should I be worried? And I wake up in the morning. She's like, I think you have ringworm. And I was like... (laughs) What do you mean I ringworm? Who gets a ringworm? And she's like, it's probably from a cat. And I was like, Bucket gave me ring. I was like, fucking street cat. And I was like, God damn it. And then my boyfriend figures out I most likely have ringworm because like I texted my EMT friend and she's like, that's probably ringworm. And he's like, I'm so scared of parasites. I can't have ringworm. I'm so scared. And I'm like, uh, it's fine. Maybe it's not ringworm. And then we, he totally has like two spots on him. Um, so to me, it's just funny. Like I was trying to be a good partner and like understand how he was so stressed, but everything we were Googling is like ringworm is highly contagious, but it also like, it can maybe make you fatigued. It can maybe make you itchy, but that's about it. Well, I'm already fatigued and itchy without ringworm. I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I have not had any new symptoms with ringworm. And my ringworm spots, which are going away with medication, went to the doctor. Should be proud of me. Um, Like, my ringworm spots were never even itchy. It's the rest of my fucking itchy skin that's well, the itchy. Fun, the funniest part of the whole story, though, is that both of you were freaking out at the name ringworm. Well, and Noah thought... I have worms. Mm-hmm. How can we have worms? We have the cat do worms. <laughs> and so I'm sending you all these texts going, ringworm has nothing to do with worms. It's not a parasite, you know. It's a it's a virus, basically. Or it's fungus, it's fungal. A, you need antifungal fungus, cream. Right. So then my mom, right. so graciously, went to Target and bought me ringworm cream. Because <laughs> I visited <laughs> home while I had fucking ringworm. But that's the thing. It's contagious through, like, stool like i'm not not going around giving ringworm to everyone in los angeles here she is i can show bucket oh my god she's in play mode i'm gonna get hurt there she there's ringworm kitty yay little ringworm kitty and her spots on her belly ow she oh my god she's going crazy right now anyway okay fuck it. that's enough from you um look at her <laughs> she's so scary um yeah so my boyfriend's like oh my god i have parasites in me and then we realize it's like fungus and it's like it's fine it we just need some topical cream and then didn't you do more research and it actually there are like little parasites in us or something like that yeah i didn't tell i didn't tell him that (laughs) i know but you know ringworm for those people who don't know in case you ever want to know if you have it (laughs) it looks it's like a little pink dot and then the outside the circumference of the little dot the little circle it's kind of scaly, right? So it's kind of gross. Mine wasn't and, scaly. Um, I'll have everyone know. But it was very obviously ringworm. Like, it was in a circle. It's very circular. It's almost like somebody drew it on you. And mm-hmm. then the outside generally is kind of scaly. And so I was I was trying to reassure them both. You know, it's nothing to do with worms. It's nothing to do with parasites. It's just a fungus. And put this topical. You'll be fine. And so, but then I started Googling some more. And it's like, well, actually... <laughs> the little cells in the in the scaly part are parasitic you know are parasites so but i didn't tell Noah that because he was still recovering from the whole thing um so here i am talking on the podcast without the person doing the questions for the podcast because she disappeared it was was annoying me 
I don't think that's the um, way this is supposed to work. I know, but Plug it was annoying here. me. Okay, I'm back. I just had to put her little thingy away, her tunnel you bought her, which she loves, from Goodwill. Thanks, Goodwill. We also got a little cat scratcher post thing from Goodwill for her. It's like te- it's like one foot tall. It's awesome. Look, she's crazy. She's running around. Oh, my God. I put the tunnel away, and now she's wreaking havoc. Anyway. Well, I happened to mention to Molly, I said, it's no big deal. I've had ringworm twice. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've had it twice. Not in, you know, 50 years, but mm-hmm. I mean, I had it once when I was like um, 12. I just, I was outside gardening in the yard, and all of a sudden I saw this weird round thing and went in the house, and my mom's friend was over and said, oh, yeah, it's ringworm. And I was just a non-issue. No big mm-hmm. deal. But the funny ringworm story is that, so when I was 27, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd ever actually had a physical in my life. My Mm -hmm. dad was pretty famous for the school forms would come and they would ask all the questions about whether I'd had certain vaccines and immunizations and sicknesses. And he would just like, look at me, if you had measles, yes or no. And he'd be asking me, I was like six Mm -hmm. and he'd be just checking boxes. So that's how I was raised. I mean, he gave me shots, but I don't think he kept any record. I don't know what he did. So I don't, you know, the first time I ever went to a doctor in my life was, <laughs> that's another funny story, is the sponge story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you should share the sponge one, like, story on the podcast. I haven't heard it. You haven't heard this. You know the sponge story. So back I know in the 80s, the sponge is. you know, maybe I should start earlier in the 1970s, you know, birth control pills started becoming popular. Mm -hmm. We were the guinea pig generation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all my friends were getting blood clots and having all these issues from birth control pills. It was a nightmare, but we all took them because we didn't want to get pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. That's all that there was. I mean, other than rubbers, condoms. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) so they came out with this thing in the early eighties called the sponge. And basically the sponge kind of works like the concept of an IUD. I mean, except that you insert it yourself Mm -hmm. before sex. Mm -hmm. So you insert this thing and then it's like a suction and it covers up your cervix, right? Mm -hmm. So nothing can pass. And then when you're done with sex, you have to reach up in there and get this suction thing off with your finger and like scoop it back out of the vaginal cavity, vaginal walls. Mm -hmm. You know, a little prehistoric sounding compared to what you guys well, have today with it's kind of catching. similar to the diva cup like well it doesn't sound as invasive but the diva cup you like put up there and it like suctions and that's how like you well, that's contain... kind of what the sponge was but it was and you had to put some spermicide on it so then it'd be like greasy and it was just disgusting but, <laughs> so but there was a funny funny seinfeld episode yeah. because what happened is we were all using the sponge we loved it because it wasn't the birth control pill. We didn't have a hormone thing and blood clots and all the issues that went with birth control pills. Mm-hmm. And then they discontinued it. They weren't going to make it anymore. And Why? there's probably some big lawsuit behind it. I have no idea if there mm-hmm. was some reason, mm-hmm. but they were they were going off the market. Mm-hmm. So whatever was left was all there was. So it was like a mad scramble. Everybody was stockpiling sponges, right? Mm-hmm. Not cleaning sponges, vaginal sponges. Were they single use? Single use. Single use. Don't get on my keyboard. I swear. I can't remember if you bought like a box of 12. I I, honestly, I don't have any memory of that. All I know is that uh, Seinfeld did a very funny episode where Elaine was using the sponge. And then when they discontinued it, she started to interview men Mm -hmm. before dates and things to see if they were quote sponge Sponge worthy. worthy. Yeah. (laughs) It was very, it was very topical and very funny at the time. 
to decide if it was worth having sex to use up one of your remaining sponges. So that was very funny. Um, so my little sponge story. So if anybody has ever seen the show ER, mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's on anymore. That's what made George Clooney kind of famous, I think. It was based on the Chicago um, um, clinic, mm-hmm. um, emergency room clinic, mm-hmm. uh, which was just very famous, mm-hmm. you know, and famous because one, it was super busy, high volume, short staff, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's what they made the whole show on, right? Mm-hmm. But literally, if you went to the ER in Chicago at this one particular place, the Chicago clinic, I think it was called, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. anyway, you know, you'd be sitting there literally next to people with knife wounds and gunshot wounds and you could see legs broken and joints sticking out and mm-hmm. people clutching and people laying on the floor and blood everywhere. I mean, they just didn't have the resources and the, and the staff to manage the volume that was coming in there. May know? I interject for a second? So yeah. then we, we uncover Lisa's biases because I'm on Medicaid, Medic, which one am I on? I don't know. Medicaid. Medicaid. We're dumb. We're okay. Anyway, I was going to say Obamacare. Basically, I'm selling the Montana insurance because I'm figuring out employment here in Los Angeles. Doesn't matter. But the point is, is that I I wanted to go to, like, I got some immunization back home in Montana. And they're like, oh, you should, like, try to establish primary care that, like, will be covered by your insurance. Here's here's some options. This one's, like, a five-minute walk from here. And I was like, great. That one sounds great. And I start going there. And my mom's like, oh, my God, why would you choose that place? That's where all my, that's where all, oh, my God, it's, they're not going to take care of you because it's only people that can't afford health care go there. They're going to treat you so poorly. And I was like, well, little did you know, mother, I cannot afford health care. So I'm just their demographic. Um, but she was always giving me, like, attitude about going to this certain place. And they were nothing but nice to me. And there's, like, I, I needed a place to establish care because I had no, like, primary care or whatever. And my doctor that they, like, hooked me up with, he was so hot. So, like, going to the doctor was super fun all of a sudden. He had, like, these nice big blue eyes. He was so nice. Um, And then it finally came out. She's like, oh, because she came with me this past week when I, like, I don't know what we're doing. She's like, oh, it's a real building with real offices and new furniture and nice people. And it just, I had this idea of, like, you know, the poor people's medical clinic was going to be, like, the ER in Chicago. And she's going to be... Well, and sidebar about my hot doctor. Very important. Um, I, he was so attractive and I was like in love with my doctor and I'm like, this is wrong for so many reasons. One, he's my doctor. So nothing's going to happen. Like he will, he's not choosing me over the medical practice. And I know that's not allowed Two, I have a boyfriend. So what, what am I thinking? And then three, when he's giving me a pap smear already too invasive, like I was like, I was not ready for the step. Really. That was a whole side story of me being like, you're the one giving me the pap smear. And he's like, it's just part of your body. I'm like, okay, but most doctors aren't hot. So you jot that down. Um, when he's giving my, my pap smear, he's like, Oh, your IUD's in place. And I was like, eh, thanks. And then I made like a weird comment of, I know someone who got pregnant with their IUD, you know who I'm talking about. And he's like, Oh yeah. When my wife's IUD was implanted and I was like, wife, wife, you're not allowed to have a wife. You're my fantasy hot doctor. It's been really yeah, hard for me. He's just a resident, so you never. Gonna I know see him he's gonna leave in like six months. He's like, I'm moving to Whitefish, and I was like, Whitefish? Why don't you stay in my hometown that I return to every six months, even though I live in fucking Los Angeles and I'm trying to establish primary care there? Why don't you think about me? So anyway, so so, so that was my medical care. 
I had never really had a doctor's appointment. And, you know, they used to give out the pill all the time. You didn't have to have full-on OB-GYNO exams. And I don't even know if pap smears were a thing back then. I Wait, no one more thing no- about the pap smear. I'm uh, Sorry, I think I actually just had my first real one. I think I lied and said I had one before. And I think I was a complete liar. Because I was like, oh, my God, I have to get my pap smear with my hot doctor. And my mom's like, well, there's also going to be, like, a woman in there. So he can't do anything weird. I was like, they're cut. Got- and then there was, there was a fucking like spectator in there. What the hell is that? But at least how I imagine it, I thought she was going to be standing just like looking at my hoo-ha, like, oh, it exists. But she was like standing at my shoulder facing him. But you can't really, he could do something weird. You can't, not that, we didn't need her, me and my hot doctor. We were fine alone. Um, it just was, whatever. I don't, you know, I don't know when that started happening, but I, I think it's mandatory now. I, um, yeah, I'd assume so. They didn't give me a choice. They weren't like, would you prefer? And I don't know if it's a, if there's a male doctor, there has to be a female in the room, or if there's any doctor, there has to be a second set of eyes. I don't know the answer. I bet if it's any doctor. Because I think I had a pap smear before, even though I just said I didn't. And I, it was a female. And there was like an assistant or someone else in there. If I actually had one, which again, I'm just, I'm just lying. Why am I just making things up right now? But I, I'm pretty sure it's, let me do nose research and just say what I want to say. Go ahead. So Chicago medical stuff. <laughs> so the point is, I don't think I really ever had any sort of real physical that I can mm-hmm. remember. I never really went to a doctor, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I was 27 years old, um, I had applied for a job and it was a government job. And part of it was a requirement that you had to have a physical. Mm-hmm. And so I went to this doctor's office and it was like <laughs> one thing after another. <laughs> She's like feeling around my throat area. It's like, huh, you have a little lump in your throat. I'm like, what? Lump in my throat? Am I going to die? Is it cancer? Well, I don't know. We have to do x-ray and we have to do a biopsy and we have, you know, three months later, I'm in the hospital getting my thyroid out because I had a cystic something cyst. Or, I don't know what Scary. Could that have I mean, been deadly? So actually, no, mine was kind of funny. <laughs> oh, um, great. <laughs> so what it was, so, okay, you get a lump, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to be sound silly and frivolous for people who really are struggling with cancer and mm-hmm. scary tumors and lumps, but my situation was a little entertaining. Okay. It was that they felt the lump. They send me into the x-ray. The x-ray says, yep, mm-hmm, you got a lump. And so then they have to do a biopsy. And the biopsy is they just stick a big old honking needle into your lump in your throat. And they extract the fluid. And then they test the fluid, the cells. They mm-hmm. test the cells. And that tells you if it's malignant or benign or something else. Mm-hmm. And so and this, this is the olden days, you know, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. When there was no Google and people didn't question doctors. I'm like... They said, yeah, don't worry about it. It's not cancer. You're fine. I'm like, what is it? And they're like, goop. They tell me. So the official official results of my biopsy on my throat lump was goop. G-O-O-P. So it was goop. But anyway, they had to remove the lump. And of course, it's right next to your vocal cords. And I was a young lawyer then. And I was scared the doctors were going to take away my ability to talk because doctors hate lawyers. So I was kind of freaking out about that. But I had the surgery and I lived on. So so that's the first thing. So mm-hmm. I met the physical and he's like, hmm, a little lump on your throat. A little lump on your thyroid. I'm like, oh my God. And then he's kind of looking around somewhere else. He's like, huh, you got a bunch of marks on your shoulder and your bed. Huh, it looks like ringworm. <laughs> and then he like give me some antifungal. I mean, I had ringworm. Uh, and then, oh gosh, there was something else. So there's something TB. wrong with my heart. 
What? You had tuberculosis. Oh, that's the best part. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped. <laughs> but there was like a series of things yeah. that I had that had gone unchecked or unlooked at or I didn't know was a problem or whatever. I mean, it was so funny. So then the last thing he says, okay, we're going to give you this little TB test and it's just a little shot and send you home and you just let us know if your arm turns red, you give us a call the next day. Mm-hmm. And then We'll go next steps mm-hmm. for test for tuberculosis, which mm-hmm. I thought was like scurvy. I thought that was like like sailors got from a mm-hmm. hundred years ago, or isn't that what La Boheme, the whole opera? Didn't somebody have tuberculosis? I can't remember. Girl, I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> people are always dying of tuberculosis and dysentery. Yeah, true. You know, back in the eighteen hundreds, but I had never heard of it in my lifetime. I didn't know it was a thing. So, mm-hmm. so he sends me off, and I wake up the next morning. I'm like. I couldn't even, like, my arm, I can't even uh, describe from my shoulder to, like, my wrist. Uh, it was, like, double the size and bright red. It didn't hurt or anything. It just looked like a monster arm. I had, a, like, this red monster yeah. arm. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, do I have tuberculosis? And, again, there's no Google. There's no whatever. So who do I call? My dad. Mm-hmm. My dad, I had this test. It was testing for TB. They said, let him know if the thing is red. It's very red. He's like, don't tell him. I'm like, what? He's like, do not call them and tell them that your arm is red. They'll put you in a sanitarium or a solarium or a vomitorium or one of those places where <laughs> people that have, you know, uh, you know, lepers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay. So, you know, the doctor calls to follow up. I'm like, oh, yeah, my arm is fine. I'm fine. Oh, God. <laughs> Great. And so, so my dad put me on the TB medicine, which is like, a year-long process that you have to take these like horse pills. They were like literally this big, <laughs> like an inch, like two or three a day for twelve months. Oh my god! And 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 I started learning more about it. It's really kind of serious. <laughs> it's like it's a really serious lung disease. You can die from it. Number one, number two, when you have it, you your lungs are compromised. So they mm-hmm. recommend you go in for a chest X-ray every five to eight years to see if your lungs are collapsing yet or something. So if, like this is age 27, I have to go in for chest x-ray every 10 years, make sure my lungs are still doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you've done that zero times? I've, I've done it a couple oh, times. Oh, okay. Good for you. I'm not one to comply. I mean, my dad, <laughs> how can I comply with a doctor, a father like that? So just very funny. I go for my one physical and I have like, ringworm tuberculosis tumors in my throat <laughs> so did that affect you getting hired like they not, get, at all. not at all no no they just want i don't to know do what they're looking i think when they do those things i think it's more that they have like um, what is it you call the concussion things now where you do like a base test mm-hmm. they have like a base like what's your heart rate what's your blood pressure yeah what's your whatever? So <laughs> you, you just had everything in. else wrong with you you too. can't come into the job in a year and say you gave me high blood pressure yeah i don't i don't, I don't know i don't think i mean maybe the ter- tuberculosis might have prevented me it's an infectious disease yeah that's bad <laughs> do you think like a, did you think you gave half of chicago tuberculosis in that year i don't i don't, I don't remember a, I don't remember giving a shit those those days about that kind of stuff the way we do now about mm-hmm. you know COVID and things and the flu and covering our mouths and it was the 80s we didn't even drink water right I don't ever remember drinking water until you know for a long time. Um, well, how remember. how um, Americans are with health? 
Well, same with, like, different countries are different with health. You know, the same way that, like, a lot of Asian countries wore masks before COVID, you know, if they're feeling right. sick. Which I wear, I wear masks when traveling now too. I, I love it. I feel like I'm, I'm incognito. I, like I was just traveling yesterday and I had my mask on. I was, I was writing some scripts and I just was talking to myself under my mask and no one could see I looked insane. I love, and I could sleep with my mouth open. I'm team travel with a mask on. But my whole point of this, oh fuck, what were we talking about? Oh, in Europe, like, so I lived in Spain. I um, moved to Madrid in October, 2020. And my friend who'd been there pre-2020, during 2020, then at the time as well, Grace, um, she's like, I'm so glad everyone has to wear a mask now. They can't just uh, cough in the air. She's like, everyone on public transit would just cough. They they wouldn't cover up. They just would cough in the air. And I was like, ew. And then when I went to travel to France um, this past June, 2022, no one wore any masks anywhere on any public transit or whatever. And they, for a long time, France was like one of the, countries I was like I don't want to do this um and we were my boyfriend and I were on a metro thing and so no one's wearing a mask whatever that's the culture there it's the culture in most of the U.S. too at this point and before whatever and I just the whole point of the story is that I distinctly remember a, a man and a woman with their baby and the guy coughs directly into his hand doesn't doesn't cough into his elbow doesn't cough into the air but a French man coughs directly into his hand and then starts stroking the baby's face. And I was like, uh, you guys are so gross. <laughs> and it, yeah, it happened. That's France, nothing. it happened a lot. That doesn't bother me at all. And um, and when the whole masking thing started, I mean, I jumped right on the masking bandwagon because I'm a lefty and I thought I did whatever Fauci told me to do. Shelter <laughs> at home, you know, wear a mask six feet apart. What I did what I was supposed to do because I believe in science. But um, Brave. That's a different episode, but, but I do remember that, um, um, I was surprised at the anti-vaxxers and or anti-maskers specifically, because to me, even though it was like a new concept, like I'd never worn a mask in my life. I never mm-hmm. thought of wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it in terms of like, it'd be a nice gesture if I'm sick to mm-hmm. cover my face. So other people don't get, I just never thought of it. It wasn't mm-hmm. in my lexicon. Right. Oh. But it sort of dawned on me, like, wait a minute, <laughs> doctors and nurses wear masks all the time in hospitals since forever. Yeah. Like, why is it such a novel concept? Yeah. You wouldn't wear a mask around sick people or mm-hmm. not only so you don't get sick, but you don't give something to something. Mm-hmm. Like it made perfect logical sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I was so startled at the, the reaction to having to wear a mask, but I'm like, Oh, this isn't a bad idea. I should have probably done this sooner. Probably when I had tuberculosis. Probably would have been a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, living in Spain during COVID and, like, because you were in Montana, which, like, is a pretty red state, even though we live in a liberal hub in Montana. Um, it was just so nice in Spain. But, like, the more the longer I lived there, people were like, yeah, we we're fascists we're we listen to the government and we're afraid not to like it's like part of their culture that people weren't going to be anti-mask but they also had way bigger um penalties for not masking like i knew a girl who i didn't like so this was funny to me that because when i moved to madrid you had to wear a mask outside the only time you couldn't wear a mask if you were engaging in like heavy duty exercise outside you couldn't do it inside or if you're eating or drinking and she got ticketed by the police like money ticketed and fined um for not wearing a mask outside and she's like i was drinking i was eating and they were like 
we didn't see it. And so she had to fucking pay a fine because she wasn't wearing a mask outside. So like, I know some people would be like, that's too much. But I didn't COVID. I didn't get COVID when I lived in Spain. So I don't know. I, I did something right. You haven't had COVID at all, right? Well, I technically tested positive this September, which I stand by. I didn't have it, but whatever. Because I was going to do background acting when they do, and they test you, which is cool. Because I'm always like, I always know I don't have COVID. And then they're like, you have COVID. And I was like, I do? And then I tested negative on my at-home test, which I know at-home tests aren't as um, uh, trustworthy. Reliable. But I had no symptoms, which I know you can be asymptomatic. But it was actually like the perfect time because like it was my first week at my um, – my internship and they, it was remote. Like every, like everything in my life was remote that week anyway. So it was actually perfect timing. So I didn't, I didn't mess anything up and I didn't, I didn't feel sick. So other than I couldn't get a costume fitting for the background acting, but I still got to be a background actor. I just got to be the, Oh my God, they had like a noon. I was supposed to be like under 18, whatever, which I feel like sometimes I look a little old for under 18 stuff, but, and like get a costume and a wig. And so I couldn't go to my costume fitting. So then I got like devoted to like the, the rowdy poor crowd or something like that. <laughs> it's like people that like wore like they didn't get costume fitted they just like wore stuff from home so i got demoted to rowdy poor crowd and that was well, the funny. funny thing about the covid vaccine so i've had like five of them now i Great. can't remember four of them whatever i've had every booster whatever you're supposed to do i just got the omicron and i was so focused on how to get my covid gotta get my you know i'm 60 i gotta get my shingles i gotta get yeah. my flu i got and i'm like got my schedule and my appointments and I, and then i'm visiting you and i get walking pneumonia i, I, I like thought i was gonna die it was yeah. so bad that was bad i couldn't breathe i was like down and out for a week and then i went to the health department last week i'm like I think I should get a pneumonia vaccine. I just had it. She's like, oh, yeah, we highly recommend them for people your age. I'm like, people are always dying from complications from pneumonia. Yeah. It's probably because you had TB when you were 27. And you are so worrisome because, so my mom's adopted, which I don't know if you've listened to some episodes, we've talked about it somewhere. I don't know. I need to be, I need to take better notes. But, um, her biological mom. I don't know if we've done an episode on 23 and me. I think that's in my notes. that we have to talk about your found family, but I'll give a little teaser right now that my mom's biological mom, which she discovered in like 20, what 18, like recent ish. She died in the eighties. Sad. Sorry. Um, Lisa's biological mom. And she fucking died of what? Lung cancer. And I'm like, Oh, is this a reason to stop smoking? And my mom's like, why? Why? I'd die anyway. So I didn't know about the fucking TB, and now <laughs> you have a death wish. You have a lung death wish. She loves Breaking Bad. But the walking pneumonia was something, and, and I already had plans to go to L.A. to be with you for Scary Wood at Universal Studios. <laughs> and I was had been looking forward to it for two months. No. I'm going, you know? And there's this picture of us at Universal <laughs> on the night before Halloween, and and you know, you and Noah are like, ah. I'm like, ah. like <laughs> I know. Weird smile. I was walking around Universal half asleep. It was very funny. I know. Yeah, I was, was like, I probably could have been convicted of like elder abuse. I was like, ah, come on. Well, I felt bad. I wasn't like, get over it. But I was like, do you want to stay home or do you want to come out? And you chose to go out. So <laughs> I did. I, I did. I get dropped dead the next day. I'd rather my last memory was. Being a terror or scary wood or whatever it's called. Universal, Universal Horror Nights. Universal that was really fun. Um, instead of sitting in your apartment playing with the cat. 
Oh, you didn't have the cat then, so I would have just been I had the cat there. then. Did you, you, okay. you met her. Um, I'll do a little shout out to my friend Elena about Universal Horror Night. So my friend Elena always worked as a scare actor. And she's always like, Molly, you should be a scare actor. And then I have fucking vocal notes, like screaming and being scary with loud crowds is like the worst thing I could possibly do for my vocal notes. So I, I, I didn't audition or do any of that stuff. But I, I like scary stuff. And I was excited to go with you to the crowd. And be, we, I warned my mom and Noah that there would be really long lines. I was like, so we just, we got to choose our favorites and we're not going to get to every maze unless we stay till 2 a.m., which is not going to happen with this troop. So, you know, I was, I was happy if we did at least three. Noah and I did four. Lisa did two because she was, had walking pneumonia and went home. We didn't know at the time, but we knew she was sick. Um, she was staying in a hotel, but I'm just giving a little shout out to Elena that, she posted on her Instagram after Universal Horror Night that um, La Llorena, I think was the name of the maze. We didn't go in it. That it's like a very Latinx important story. And there was like not a lot of Latinx actors in it. It was a lot of white people playing these like Hispanic or Latinx characters. And so she like was posting on Instagram about it, about like how it was unfair. And I, I and I... I responded to her because I, I wanted her to feel seen. You know, I feel like sometimes people are put things on social media and everyone just kind of reads it or ignores it. But I want my friends to know that I'm engaging with it. And so I was like, oh, thank you for posting this. I didn't know any of that. I'm sorry. You know, because she's Latinx. I didn't mention that. Um, and she she's in the Bay Area right now. So she wasn't in Horror Nights this year. And I was like, I, like, I hear you. Like, thank you for talking about this. I didn't know that. And I was like, and if it makes you feel better, we didn't go to that maze. And she's like, that does make me feel better. <laughs> and Noah, Noah saw me typing that. He's like, don't tell her we didn't go because we didn't go because it was a long line. I'm like, no, it's going to make her feel better. It's going to make her feel better that we didn't go support the thing that she doesn't like. And I was right. <laughs> so that made me feel good. She got into a huge discourse and like people were being mean to her about it. And I was like, you guys are going to be mean to like a Latinx performer asking that Latinx performers get to perform latinx characters instead of white people i was like what i don't know Do we have any other medical issues lately? Well, actually, is your hip okay? When we were packing yesterday, my mom fucking slammed on the ground. She fell over one of my suitcases. I feel so fucking guilty. Are you okay? Do you have an actual... Again, with the walking pneumonia because of my age. So we're in her bedroom. We're packing her suitcases on the floor. We're going through some clothes, looking at some jewelry, doing our thing. And I must have stepped over that suitcase 10 times in her bedroom, you know? But something that I do, and this isn't dementia, I don't think, it's just part of my, you know, um, neurotic personality is that when I'm doing something, I'm always thinking of the next five steps. So I distinctly remember I turned away from the closet and I was thinking, oh, I got to put these hangers over there and I got to grab the basket and I got to get this laundry, you know, just thinking the next 10 steps. And I just forgot there was a suitcase on the floor and tripped over and went flying and landed really hard on my left hip. And my immediate thought was, fuck, first pneumonia. Now I'm going to get that broken hip thing and I'll never walk again. This is it. It's undone. You know, this is what I've heard of my whole life. You either die of a broken, once you break your hip, you're done, right? When you're old. And then, 
um, you know, the pneumonia. So, um, so I had to lay there for a good five, seven minutes to kind of recover. Cause it was sort of like traumatic to my body to hit that side of my body so hard, but I can't believe how dumb I was because I had already stepped over that suitcase 10 times. So. Well, did you, do you have a bruise? Cause I, I left yesterday. This all happened yesterday. Um, do you, cause yesterday you're like, I think it's more I internal. Zero bruise, but I cannot put full weight on my left side of my body. So when I'm going up and down the stairs, it's like. And you do the one step and then you bring the other foot to that oh, step. Fuck. And then you go down to the next step and then you bring the foot to that step. I mean, that's what I've been doing. I'm fine sitting here, no pain. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get up, I'm like, oh, oh and God. Walking, walking around hurts. So, fuck. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'll be fine. I just wish that I could remember to think about what I'm doing. <laughs> well, be mindful. <laughs> be mindful. Be in the present. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> You have to, you need a smoke break, don't you? Lisa's very upset that we do the podcast by video now because she can't smoke in her own house. But I just gave her away. I'm the worst person now I in the smoke. world. I don't want people to hate me. Well, some, haters gonna hate. There's such stigma against smoking. I mean, I understand it's you know only stupid people smoke because everybody knows now it's gonna kill you. But I don't think we should hate the people that still choose to smoke, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't hate drug addicts. I don't hate alcoholics. I feel bad for them. I wish they could, you know. So you just want pity? No, I don't want it. I just <laughs> want it. I want it to not be something that anybody cares about. It's what I do. It's my bad habit. I enjoy it. And just move on. Well, it's just not. You would fit in in Serbia. That was such a culture shock for me when I visited my friend Nina, who's in med school in Serbia. Any restaurant restaurants. People are just smoking in restaurants the entire time. I'm like <laughs> Well, Americans, you forget, we have a very Puritan background. I mean, historically this country was formed, you know, the whole pilgrim thing with Puritans and mm-hmm. and this idea of virtue and, you know, um purity, right? I mean, just people are so so busy shaming. You know, it's turned into this whole cancel culture thing now. But I mean, even the whole time I've been alive and historically with this country since the 1600s, it's all about, you know, boot, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and everybody needs to be virtuous and work hard. And, you know, those are very Puritan values. I don't know if they're American values. I think there's a lot of evangelists who have taken that and decided that is what America is. Mm-hmm. I do think it is our historical uh, footing, mm-hmm. but I think we've become way more diverse, you know, with the influx of immigrants from the, I'd say turn of the last century, but it's the turn of the century before now, I mm-hmm. guess. And, um, you know, and, you know, and, and whatever, we have a diverse country with lots of people from mm-hmm. different heritages and ethnicities from all over the world. And I don't think everybody shares in this Puritan thinking, mm-hmm. but I, I think there are some people, mostly evangelists, and other devout Christians who think that that is what America is. So, so. well, I guess I'm just going to leave everyone with, which go to the doctor. I hate going to the doctor. That's why I was trying to establish primary care with Mr. Hot Doctor residency leaving me in six months, even though I don't live there. Um, but go to the doctor, I guess. I don't know. Nothing that interesting has come from the doctor for me. I never had to go to the doctor and had 
TB and thyroid month and ringworm all in one go. For me, it's always, you know what my doctor experience, it's always this. It's always, oh, wow, your blood pressure is low. Good for you. Oh, wow, your cholesterol is low. Good for you. Why are you fat? And I'm like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that's what I have. I, so I definitely have a vendetta against doctors, except hot doctor. He has a special place in my heart. Um, but I guess maybe that's the moral of today, because obviously this podcast well, is about One more morals. funny hot doctor story. Hot doctor. So when I did get my, I got part of my thyroid out. Mm-hmm. It's a great scar, by the way, but um, I got like two thirds of it. So I had a little third of a thyroid left. Yeah. And so when you have these kind of thyroid things, you see an endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's like the hormone person. So endocrinologist and surgeon. And um, the endocrinologist said, oh, you absolutely are going to have to take medicine the rest of your life. You're going to have to take, it's called thyroxine. And it's like, mm-hmm. a, um, I forgot the name of the hormone. The, well, I think thyroxine is a hormone. Anyway, whatever. You mm. take this supplement to help your thyroid work. Mm-hmm. And then the surgeon said, mm, I wouldn't take anything. You still got a little bit of a thyroid. It'll work fine. If you have problems later in life, you can always take the medicine. What does but, the thyroid you know, do? It monitors all your metabolism. That's probably- oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I knew that. I totally knew that because they've been on my fucking ass about my thyroid my whole life. Anyway, maybe I have some goop on my goddamn thyroid. Not Checks out something. normal. We've had it tested so many times. I know. It's always normal. I know. I'm so healthy. Yay. <laughs> the moral of my boring story Sorry. is that the surgeon was better looking. Oh, so, so you listen to I him. Took, the endocrinologist was kind of a dweeb. So I took the surgeon's advice and I've never been on thyroid medicine my whole life. There we go. And I've had my values tested or whatever, you know, my blood draws. And that Your moral time. values. No, the, sur- the surgeon was correct. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. I know it's so weird that like two people, two professionals can be like, oh, I suggest X, I suggest Y. And then like, they're super different. That's what people deal with all the time. And it's very stressful and confusing. And it sucks. I don't know. When I was in college, I was in a, you saw the talking cure. It was a devised theater show um, where like we all like, it was a storytelling thing. We all like told stories and then we created a show that was like based on autobiographical stories. It was really cool. It was directed by David Crabb. He like does stuff with the moth and risk and all that jazz. And um, Eleanor, one of the girls in it, she had, he had, she had chronic illness and her story was just about how she just was getting ping-ponged around to doctors. And they're just like, I don't know. I don't know. Try this. I don't know. Try this. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm not, like, the pinnacle of health. But it, like, as I was saying, like, every time I go to the doctor, they're like, yeah, everything's basically normal. You're just fucking fat. I'm like, well, yeah. Whereas Eleanor had, like, really severe things wrong with her. And the doctors still were like, Sorry. You know what I think? I think it was. be interesting to follow up with her because... Mm-hmm. When I think about it now, I mean, that was like 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. That was just when this whole autoimmune disorders were kind of starting to explode and mm-hmm. the Hashimoto disease and all these sort of people were going in with these sort of unrelated symptoms mm-hmm. or unexplainable symptoms. And a lot of the Western trained older doctors were like, you know, your blood's fine, your heart's fine, your lungs are fine. You know, they have these like s- standards that they look at. And they've all had to really start to learn that there's these autoimmune diseases now um, that aren't so easy to diagnose, mm-hmm. aren't so easy to treat. And I have a feeling that's probably what happened to her. Probably. She was early on during the, you know, before they really knew anything about them. That's my guess. That's a good guess. That's my professional scientific guess. Yeah, us, the lawyer and the housing internship person. So we're doing great. All right, Mom, any final thoughts for today? 
Take care of your health. <laughs> Take care of your health, everyone. Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this episode will be available on my personal YouTube linked in the description below. You should go watch us instead. But most of all, thanks for listening. Share this episode if you liked it. Tell your friends and have a good day.